Good evening from Plug Hit Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 491 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, for January 28th, 2018. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Apple is concealing its moves, Microsoft is enhancing its Game Pass, and YouTube is serving up a little crypto mining. This here, like I said, is F5 Live, refreshing technology, flagship show on the Pluckets Live family of content. And wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, thank you. Whether it be Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music Podcasts, the Podcast Play app on uh, in the Windows Store, on the myriad of other podcatchers, on our live homes, on live stream, uh, YouTube Live, Periscope, Mixer, or on Twitch, or of course, um, on any of our social networks or on our apps, pluggitslive.com slash apps. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Um, there are two ways that you can join us. The first is live Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us. From there, you can uh, chat with us in the studio, which Avram and I always enjoy, especially during the Pilch Point, where tonight we will be talking about some new numbers um, that uh, agree with our anger about the resolution of, uh, of business laptops being too low. Um, so we'll definitely want your input on that. Uh, the three chat rooms that I can see easily tonight are Mixer, YouTube, and Twitch. So if you want to chat with us, that will be your best bet tonight. But if you can't join us live on Sundays, that's okay. Uh, if you're watching the Grammys or whatever, it's okay. You can still subscribe to our show by going to pluckitslive.com slash subscribe. And there you will see F5 Live. The Pilch Point with Avram Pilch, which I said will be on in just a little bit. Our special events feed, which right now is very active with CES content. Um, we're 45 interviews in. We've got another 40 or so to go. So there's still a couple more weeks of content there. Uh, so you'll definitely want to follow that. The 3000 Brigade Presents and a number of other series are there as well. And I think with that, that is the spiel. Avram, how are you? Oh, not bad. Not bad. Spent a lot of time this uh, last couple of days program helping my son program a robot. So uh, that's always fun. Yeah, he. Uh, we got in to test uh, the uh, Wonder Workshops dot, okay. which is a little round ball guy. Uh, it's been out for a while, but this is a new one that comes with like some costumes you can put on him. Anyway, he. Uh, He's uh, kind of become obsessed with it, okay, uh, which is cool. But that's, that's uh, a good sign. It's for designed for kids who are around his age, but clearly the kids who are around his age it clearly is designed for kids who have already learned how to read because okay. everything in it involves reading, oh. and the app involves reading. So he's like, "Daddy, I need you right now to help me read this." Uh, anyway, <laughs> you know, which is which is fine, but it's a um, it's a little bit complicated, uh, but he's. He's been enjoying that. So, uh, you know, it's uh, every day. It's like, did you bring home something cool? Are you going to bring home something cool today? <laughs> oh, yeah. that's yeah. that's funny. I'm not I'm not going to lie. That's pretty funny. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, now I have to try and uh, or he'll see me. He'll say, did you see anything cool at work? 
like, oh, not today. Not today. <laughs> not yeah. every day is fun day. Not every day. So some days you just got to deal with reality. You just have to deal with the news. Yep. Not always fun, but that's okay. Did you have a good CES? We saw each other about midway. A little after yeah. midway. I think that was more like the end of the way for me. Uh, yeah, that was like my last night there. Um, yeah, it was fine. You know, got to see some interesting stuff. Uh, you know, wasn't too high stress this year, thankfully. Um, you know, ran around to see a bunch of things, meet a bunch of people. Didn't get enough time, have enough time meeting, uh, seeing uh, friends and, and stuff like that. But yeah. it was, uh, it was... It was good. I, I enjoyed uh, highlighting my show always was getting together with you and the crew for dinner. Um, beside that, besides that, I enjoyed uh, I hosted a panel on artificial intelligence. That was cool. Uh, so, uh, you know, it was uh, it was good. And I, I enjoyed typing on the giant razor keyboard. <laughs> oh, seeing that was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was uh that was the highlight of the show for me typing <laughs> on the giant. For those who didn't know, there was a giant Razor keyboard at the Razor booth. There was a giant keyboard. Yes, yes, indeed. And I I regret not taking the same video that you did. <laughs> yeah. Because uh yeah you know with them being a sponsor and all, it seems like it might have been a good video to have. But that's okay. <laughs> Oops. Yep. Live and learn. It was it was a weird CES though with like the rain on Tuesday and then the power yeah. going out on Wednesday. It seemed like yeah. it seemed like everywhere I went I brought I I brought bad luck with me. Ah. I I I, I I apologized to the guys at one of the booths when the power went out. I said this is me. It's because I'm in Central Hall today. I apologize for screwing up. Your it day. really could have been worse. It really could have been worse. Honestly, it wasn't. Yeah, that's true. It it was not such a bad CES. It could, it could have been worse. Yeah, it, were, was, you know, it wasn't bad. It was weird though. It, it seemed know. like everything was a shifting target, which which made for an interesting week. But uh, but yeah, it, it definitely wasn't bad. I mean, even with all the weird stuff, we we only missed our video goal by a very small amount and considering, you know, we were running the live show and, you know, two of our floor teams had to change facilities on Wednesday midday because the power went out, you know, we, we didn't miss our goal by too much. So uh, we were pretty happy, but yep. for, for me, other than obviously our dinner with you, our highlight is always the monster concert. That was a lot of fun this year with Joe Perry and, and his band. I wish, I wish uh, we could have had you there. It was, yeah, I wish I could have. I wish I could have gone to that. It was fun. We'll uh, we'll make it happen someday. We'll make the scheduling work. Yeah. But we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, so let's get down to the news. Ooh, that's not the right button. That's the right button. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Uh, right now, um, 
big sale on a bunch of products, whether it be uh, saving 500 bucks on uh, a number of laptops in the store, $200 off the Surface laptop, um, a whole bunch of uh, free games available uh, as options when you buy a new Xbox, or of course there's all kinds of other products. It doesn't just have to be uh, Microsoft products. There's the Harman Kardon Invoke, of which I have one, and I'm really loving. The uh, newly priced uh, mixed reality headsets are available as well, and uh, a bunch of other products uh, available by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So, uh, let's talk about Apple for a little bit. As tends to be our way, right? Um, yep. So one of the things that has kind of been a constant over the last couple of years is that analysts have been able to take pieces of information, uh, hardware orders, uh, sales trends, things like that, and they seem to be able to come up with a pretty clear picture of what Apple is planning. This year, however, things seem to be very different. Something has happened and it is keeping all of the analysts in the dark. Let me explain. This week, uh, two very high profile uh, analysts came out with very competing predictions about what the hardware lineup will look like for Apple this year. Uh, one said that the iPhone X uh, won't survive past this uh, generation which would be the first time that a flagship has been cut at the end of its generation when its successor comes out. Um, normally, it's just the little guys. The iPhone 4C, I think is what it was, didn't survive uh, past its active generation, and I think the, the SE only lasted one year. Um, but this would be the first time that a flagship didn't survive and get a price cut into a second generation, which would be a big deal. But then, so that was uh, KGI Securities. Two days later, um, a very different idea came out that actually suggested that Apple was intending not just to keep the iPhone X, but to have three more new models this year, including, a, you would assume, an iPhone 8S and 8S Plus, and a second generation SE, and that the X would stay on uh, in its current generation. There's there's different talk of, of screen technologies. Some say that everything will be OLED. Some say it'll be half and half. Some say Samsung will stay as the only OLED supplier. Some say Apple has already made purchases from LG. It's... It's fascinating. It's been a long time since we've seen such disharmony uh, in in what analysts think Apple's going to do. I'm kind of enjoying it. What about you, Abram? I think, you know, as usual, it shows that people are, like, overly concerned about Apple's supply chain. Uh-huh. Like, do most people care whether they're getting Samsung or LG OLEDs in their, uh, in their iPhone? It's... Uh, it's it's like wow, there people are doing a lot of reading of tea leaves right now. Uh, I mean, I really like to see people do the same thing with like other phone manufacturers, but I guess it would be apart from Samsung. I guess people just don't care. Like 
Motorola, are they going to have more Moto mods? You know, I guess you right. know you don't see a lot of speculation about that. Um, you know, I, when they I'd come be, out with them, they come out with them. I'd be interested in seeing more Moto mods personally because I liked that concept. <laughs> yeah, I, me too. But I, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is that you just don't see the the kind of crazy speculation about that. I don't see how Apple doesn't update the iPhone X. Like, why would they keep it? Why Why would they keep it? when it's still the flagship you can't have a flagship that doesn't evolve year over year so there would have to be a new iphone x you would certainly think maybe i don't maybe that's one of the two new devices maybe uh maybe the 8s goes away the 8s plus becomes this the more standard one the se2 takes the the small form factor and an x2 comes in at the top with the x shifting to the uh, further down towards the bottom. At a certain point, though, I mean, how many phones does Apple actually want to have actively on the market? Don't they try to really keep it simple? Steve Jobs wanted only one at any given time. So this seems a little bit confusing. Uh-huh. This this year in particular, uh, if you think uh, the, the 2017 lineup, or, I mean, what will last most of 2018 but it came out in 17 you've got you've got the the 7 and 7 plus both survived the 8 and 8 plus came out and the x at the top of the chain so they've got five models available for sale today with with in their uh storage options for each oh you forgot the sc though wait no, wait. Okay, so right now on the Apple site, you can get the SE, the 6S, the 7, the 8, and the 8, and the and the X. Wow. And with the 8, isn't there an 8 and 8 Plus also? Yes, or? there is. So I guess when you click on 8, you get the choice of 8 or 8 Plus? Must be. Uh, yeah. That's weird. Right, yes. So, so how many phones is that? If you can still buy an iPhone 6S? Well, that means I'm, I'm surprised that the SE is still on here. I thought that that, was, that that was terminated, which makes it even more fascinating. So the SE, the 6S, which might be both models, the 7, which could be both models, the 8, which is both models, and the X, yeah, the 6 is both models. So I mean, seven, isn't that a little confusing? So the 7 would have to be. They've got more active models right now than Samsung has, it seems. Right, but see, Samsung actually has an excuse because they, they they try to serve different market segments. Right. I'm not really sure if... The seven's the same way. If if getting an old version of, of, of the high-end phone is serving a different market segment, you know? It's serving a different price point. Yeah, that's true. There are eight active models, according to the website. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a little crazy, right? Both eights, both sevens, both sixes, an X and an SC. Uh-huh. So what are they going to do next year? Leave the eights? They just keep going, or are they just always going to cut the bottom off? Next year, I'll finally get rid of six. Well, uh, I'm, the, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that the six S's are still on there. It seems like that right. should have been cut last generation too. Right. 
normally they just have last year's, this year's. But here they've got three full generations plus the flagship and the SE, which is essentially a five. Doesn't it cost something to keep making old stuff? It seems like it's, unless they've just got a stockpile of these things around, it seems like at some point you're ordering so few parts that the cost goes through the roof. Well, I mean, these things are Apple, so there's probably still some people, you know, really buying sixes and whatever, but successes. But, you know, yeah, I just wonder at a certain point, and, and actually we'll get to this, uh, you know, in, in my Pilch Point segment a little bit, like, doesn't it just pay to stop making old stuff? You know, like, it's just, like, you don't, like, the manufacturers don't want to do it anymore. Like, I, I can't speak on behalf of Intel or whatever, but, you know, you, you don't really see a lot of companies continuing to to, uh, to pump out laptops with, like, you know, second generation core series processors in them right i bet you i bet you that intel says hey we're not making these anymore enough like we don't want to continue to have to manufacture old stuff to have the the factory set up to manufacture old stuff yeah so process lines are expensive so you know there has to be a, a point at which it's like well, we're making all these old CPUs and all these old things that, you know, now only only for our old phones. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, they've got Samsung pumping out three- and four-year-old chips for these phones. And then screens, and, too. That's That seems silly. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, I guess for Apple, they're willing to do it. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, it's... It's a little crazy they don't they don't replace some of that replace some of that stuff. I I agree. By by you encouraging me to go to the website, I was surprised at how many devices were available now because it's certainly out of their normal policy. Like they they've had they've had a procedure of retiring a generation down, you know, one generation down, one generation out. But, but then again, that's not what they're doing here. If you look in the notebook world, they're still forcing Intel to manufacture fifth, uh, fifth generation CPUs, right? Because the MacBook Air is still using Broadwell. Yikes! Right, so I guess they have no qualms about keeping stuff long after it should be, be gone. Yeah, long after. Whew. Anyway, I, for for me, I think it's gonna gonna make having to follow Apple this year at least more interesting. Because it seems like nobody quite has a grasp yet, which is fun. Normally, normally things are starting to come together, and it's it's fun to see a moving target in this case. Because um, because when you go to these, you know, when you see the the announcements, don't you want to not already know everything they're going to say? So, <laughs> yeah. How about some surprise? So it seems Good. like Apple has fixed whatever surprise leak <laughs> that they've had um or at least they're just being bizarre enough that nobody can follow along either way it seems to be working so it should be a fun year to follow them all right here's my prediction okay. the company starts to move further away from numbered names okay that so maybe there won't be an 8s and an 8s plus 
maybe they'll come up with some way of, uh, you know, simplifying. Either it'll just be the iPhone, like they now have the iPad. Well, to be fair, it would just be iPhone, since they refuse to put a the before it whenever they say it. Sorry. They, it would be just They use iPhone. it like it's a person's name. iPhone and iPhone Plus and iPhone X or something like that. I, I can see that. Because I don't think they like... Apple likes to protect... Hates version numbers of anything. So the iPhone is the only product, I think, of Apple's where they really uh, promote the version number and the name. I think you're right. Um, right. But, but if you if you think about it, um, they're in the process of removing the letter I from all of their product names. So if they were going to remove the the number, maybe that would be the time to remove the I as well. Oh, it's so iconic, though. I know you're going to have a you're just going to call it the Apple Phone Edition or something. I I I love that that you brought up the the edition word. <laughs> Because it's such an inappropriate name for anything. Right, right. So, <laughs> I just, I don't see it, but. <laughs> the Apple Watch edition. Edition yes. of what? Nothing. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Exactly. <clears throat> but, uh, anyway, going to be an interesting, interesting time following Apple, which it hasn't been for a while. So, I'm, uh. I guess I'm looking forward to it is the whole point. <laughs> this week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Monster Products. <clears throat> Whether you're looking for headphones uh, like the Elements or uh, earbuds, whether they be wired, wireless, or the true wireless earbuds, like the brand new Airlinks, or you're looking for a Bluetooth speaker from the tiny new Superstar S100, of course, to the giant Monster Blaster, they've got all of the audio products uh, that you could use on the go, at home, uh, or wherever you are. And uh, you can find out all of the products that are available by going to pluckitslive.com slash monster. And of course, that music means that it is time for the Pilch Point with online editorial director of Laptop Magazine and Tom's Guide, Abram Pilch. Abram. Hey. We've, Still here. We've got... We've got uh we've got some numbers. Yes. Some Before numbers we that, get to... that will make us happy. Well, and make yes. us angry, but prove us... our anger. We'll stir the passions. <laughs> there you go. But while we're stirring the passions, before I forget, I just wanted to show something real quick, which we'll get into on a future show a little bit. Uh, this here is the Maker Bueno. Uh, is one of the coolest things that I saw at CES. It is a build-your-own handheld console. This one is already built, so I will get into this when I actually try to build my own because I have a kit here. Uh, it's $59. It's it's awesome, and you play all kinds of crazy games on it on the little grayscale screen. And it's like an Arduino board, so it's it's a fun uh, build project. So that is, I wish... that is super cool. I got a couple of emails from them uh, leading into CES 
but I wasn't able to make it over to them. So I definitely look forward to uh, to talking about that in the future. Yeah, yeah, it deserves its own show, but I want to I want to actually get to some point where I've actually done some some good uh, building on it. It requires me to learn how to solder, which I've never done before. So that's the that's the challenge. I'm trying to find a time and place to do that where I don't end up like poisoning myself or poisoning the air. Sure. How do you do it? Do you like open the window or something or um, I've actually got a workbench uh, on the back porch for doing that and painting and stuff like that. Uh, so you do it outside. Yeah, I do. Ah, kind of outside. It's it's a it's an enclosed screen porch, so it's kind of inside, kind of outside. You know. Aha. Uh-huh. So, kind of, kind of bad, uh, but not surprise, but not kind of surprising, is the fact that uh, that in 2017 and going into 2018, we still have a lot of laptops that use low resolution screens. We've been talking about this on the show for years. Yep. It's a pet peeve of mine or anybody who has to deal with it. Why is it that you still can buy a notebook with a 1366 by 768 display? Now, you might say, "Oh, well, it's cheaper." Uh, but what's interesting is when you talk about business notebooks, which are the notebooks that companies buy, you know, they're while they want to save money, at the same time they need their employees to be productive. Fifty-one percent of business notebooks sold in 2017 had 1366 displays. So that's better than previous years, but that still means more than half of the new notebooks were uh, companies buying notebooks that made their employees actively less productive. If you have a 1366 by 768 display, you have about 40% uh, less uh, vertical screen real estate uh, that you do on a full HD 1080p screen, which is the minimum that anyone should get on any notebook is to get 1080p 1920 by 1080. Uh, if you yourself scrolling a whole lot because they can't see that much text on the page, you're going to have them unable to uh, really stack two windows side by side for multitasking. Uh, on the screen. So it's a significant problem and one that unfortunately is not going away. Uh, like I said, according to NPD, a research firm that tracks this, 51.7% of business notebooks sold in 2017 uh, were 1366 screen. What's really a little bit shocking though, uh, and this is US sales, I should say, what's really a little bit shocking though is how. For example, did you know that Dell makes a notebook that costs over $1,200 and is only available with a 1366 display? The the Dell Latitude 7290, which is a 12-inch business notebook, I believe it starts around, actually, I think if it's not on sale, it's $1,400. If it's on sale, it might be a little over $1,000. There's no even not even an option to get it with a uh, with a full HD screen. Uh, other notebooks, other popular business notebooks like the ThinkPad T470 now T480, or the uh, 
you know, HP ProBook uh, or certain HP ProBooks. Also, start with 1366 displays, but you can pay a little bit extra, maybe $50 to $100 uh, to go up to 1080p, which really begs the question, why doesn't everybody just pay the $50 or the $100? Why would businesses want their employees to be less productive to save a few dollars? And why would de- would companies like Dell, HP, and Lenovo continue to sell these crappy screens? Like, don't they have some, shouldn't they have a little bit more pride in, in, the, in the product? Right. I mean, you don't see Apple doing this, right? Like, the uh, Apple doesn't say, well, you know what? I could char- I could sell people a laptop for a hundred bucks less if I you don't use a Retina display. So let me have a, a a garbage screen a garbage screen option, and then charge people fifty bucks more or a hundred bucks more to get the good screen. Uh-huh. Like, no, they don't want people to own a, an Apple laptop which has a bad screen. Like, you need to, they need to be thinking about their reputation. Like when people are, you know. Yes, what's going on here is that uh, I've talked to to a number of uh, business, uh, a number of manuf- of representatives from different companies, uh, kind of off the record, so can't name names or whatever. But uh, what they've told me is, we still make these screens because employee because customers, big companies, still want them, and they still want them for two reasons. One, they want to save money. Mm-hmm. They want to save, even though. 50 bucks isn't a lot of money on an individual laptop. If you're buying 10,000 of them, right. it's a lot. Uh, and two, uh, a lot of them think that their employees are going to use the laptops as desktops. So they're going to take the laptop, they're going to dock it at a docking station on their desk, and they're rarely going to pick it up and use it as a laptop, so who cares about the screen? But that's a very strange uh, belief because then why buy a laptop at all? Right. Why not just buy people desktops? It's cheaper. I mean, if, if you really don't think want them to take it anywhere, and if they're taking it to a meeting and they have to use this 1366 screen, isn't that bad enough? Right. Like, how much, how much reduced productivity are you willing to have to save, you know, 50 bucks a head or whatever? Right. I... Um, my my screen on the, on this computer in front of me is three thousand by two thousand, and I still get mad at it. I still wish I had a higher res. I can't thirteen. The idea that any employer could go, you know what, thirteen sixty six is good enough, is at, obviously they're not like forcing the people making the decisions to use them before they buy them. Because I, I, there's no way that after you used a 1366 that you don't want to chuck it across the room. Yeah, it's 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 very uh, it's very frustrating. I mean, if for our listeners, if you haven't used a 1366 screen lately, consider yourself lucky. Uh-huh. I mean, the other thing about it is that um, you know, besides just not having a lot of screen real estate for work, um, even on the consumer side where the numbers are actually worse. On the consumer side, um, 66% of consumer Windows notebooks have 1366 displays. What? 
Actually, I should I should correct that. Sixty six percent have dis, have uh, displays under 1080p. So that's probably thirteen sixty six, but it could also be a sixteen hundred by nine hundred screen. There are a handful of computers that have those. Okay, that's true. Uh, and those aren't great either, but it's it's better better than uh, thirteen sixty six. Right. You know. Uh, so, you know. I can kind of understand consumers a little better, though. First of all, a lot of consumers are buying stuff that's really, really cheap. Um, the average selling price for a consumer notebook with one of these low-res displays was $323. So there's not a lot of $323 notebooks that have full HD. Right. I said not a lot because there's actually a couple. There are a couple. Uh, there are a couple. Um uh, I think, like uh, I think we had one on the show. We had one on the show. Year. The Acer uh, was it Switch? Was it Switch One? Something like that. Uh, you know, it's three hundred twenty-five dollars, and has actually has a really nice 1080p screen. But you know, for the most part, people spending that little, you know, they're going to have to settle. But your business, you're probably spending all kinds of money on all kinds of things. You know, not to say you should throw money away. But what would you rather invest in than your than than your employees' productivity? Um, but uh, it's also interesting because um, because apparently, uh, you know, it's uh, obviously the distance at which people view uh, view a screen. You know, they're usually viewing a laptop screen from about eighteen inches away, right? From eighteen inches away, you want um, you know, you want more like you probably want closer to 200 pixels per inch uh, of a vision. And what you're getting is maybe 100 and 100 to 110 pixels per inch. So so what you're getting is a, a grainy picture. Yeah. Right. It, is what I'm saying. You're getting a, a grainy picture. Consider this. Most people listening to this uh, or watching uh, probably have a phone that is that is at least 1080p that's your phone that's five to six inches right oh, yep yep now you want to pick up a laptop that's 11 12 13 15 inch screen and have a lower resolution than you have on your phone why don't you just go to the guggenheim and look at the roy lichtenstein paintings anyway i want to see some you want to see some dots blown up. Anyway, the, uh, the, uh, I mean, so anyway, my advice to everyone, whether you're buying a business laptop or not, spend the money, get a 1080p screen. It does not have to cost you a ton. In the world of consumer notebooks, you can get a 1080p screen laptop for under $400. Not necessarily a great laptop in other respects, but you can get something like the uh, Acer uh, E15 that's 349, uh, or that or that Spin One that I was talking about. The Asus in the, the Asus Vivo Book. Uh, Asus Vivo Book is another one with, with 128 gig storage is 400 with 64 gig storage it's 259 and it has an HD right. screen. Right, so we should say a full HD screen. Don't be fooled, folks, because a lot of things are labeled as HD screen, and that's 1366 by 768. 
how do you call something high definition when it's the lowest definition you can get is a really good question. Because back in the day, when people had standard definition on their television set, uh, you know, what standard definition was what? 480p? 480. And HD started at 720. Right. So 1366 by 768, by the old definition from old days, like 10 years ago, that's high definition. But for like the last seven years or so, we all know that 1080p is the minimum resolution that people should have on a computer screen or a television. Yes, indeed. Uh, or, or basically anything. And now people are going above that on, on to 4K uh, and, and things in between 1080p and 4K. So spend the money, get it. It doesn't have to be expensive. Even the world of business laptops, you know, which are a little more pricey, you can still get one for under $700 uh, that has 1080p. Spring, spring for the spring for it, uh, because that's what you're looking at all the time. Will people notice that you spent fifty dollars more, a hundred dollars more to get a Core i7 over a Core i5? No. Will they notice that you got sixteen gig instead of eight? Probably not. Will they notice that their screen looks like a pointillist painting? Yes. So that's uh, that's my two cents, and I'm sticking to it. Um, uh, if you want to read my article about this, go to laptopmag.com. Uh, check out all of our tech news on tomsguide.com. Oh, that that was funny. <laughs> you, you actually made me mute my mic because I started <laughs> coughing because I was laughing so hard <laughs> about the Guggenheim. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> that was. It's been a long. It's been a long time since I've gone there. But one one time when I was in college, my friend and I went to see a Lichtenstein exhibit there specifically, because uh-huh. apparently, I guess, uh, you know, he was really big. Uh, he he was really friendly with the people who were at the museum or something. Okay. So, so we were like, you know, we went all around. We saw. Them. Then we went to the uh, the gift shop, and they had a bunch of posters. And I was like, oh, do you have a poster of that painting? And the guy, the cashier, was like, no. These are only the paint. These are the only paintings Roy would allow us to sell. I was like, <laughs> "Do you know him personally? Does he go in and chat with the cashier? Maybe he does. I don't know. So dead. I think he's dead now. But uh, anyway, that's, that's my uh, that's my more scene story. Right. Anyway, great for museums, not so great for your desktop. That's. I think that's our important takeaway there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, as always, Avram, I always enjoy the conversation about screens as much as it angers both of us that it's still a problem. It's still always a fun conversation. No doubt. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All of the gaming accessories that you need really to up your game, whether it be on PC or console, there's a bunch of accessories uh, from a new mouse or keyboard. Probably not the giant keyboard that we saw at CES, but uh, a keyboard nonetheless. Or um, it could be the new Razer phone, which Uh, is designed as a great companion uh, for hardcore gamers or 
a full PC. Uh, whether it be the the Stealth, the Blade, or the Pro, uh, they've got they've got a laptop for you. And uh, none of them come with 1366 by 768 resolution. And you can find all of the laptops, keyboards, mice, and other products by going to f5live.tv slash razor. It seemed like a, a necessary thing to work in there. That's true. And it, and, and it's exemplar of what I said. There are some brands. Razor is, is in that group. Absolutely. That they want to maintain a, a strong brand identity. Like, we will not sell... Inferior we will not stuff. sell you inferior stuff. Yeah. We don't care about, you know, trying to get someone to nickel and dime us. And I think every company does that to some extent. Razor does it more. Like they're like, we're going to be premium. But, you know, you can't go to McDonald's and ask to buy two chicken McNuggets off of the dollar menu, you know. Yeah, for, right. You know, like there's got the customer's not always right. Indeed. The customer Indeed. could be asking you asking you for something cheap and, and, and subpar, but you got to hold the line and say no. That that might exist, but it's not from us. Good luck. Yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. So in gaming news this week, uh, Microsoft made an announcement that uh, I was pretty excited about. Uh, they announced that starting with Sea of Thieves, which releases in about two months, uh, all... Xbox first-party titles will launch as part of Game Pass on the day they release. So, that means that Microsoft is taking a very uh, Office 365 or Azure approach to, uh, to gaming and thinking of video games more as, as a service than an individual product, which is an interesting move. When they came, with, came out with Game Pass... I had a feeling that that was the way their their thought process was going, but seeing first party titles come out uh, day one is an interesting move, and will undoubtedly not hurt Microsoft, but interestingly uh, could hurt GameStop because obviously their whole business model is around reselling used games later and uh they have been they've been the lobbying force behind the xbox one and the playstation 4 having optical drives at all which neither one of them were supposed to have in the first place um but microsoft seems to have found a way to shift a lot of the stuff to digital only and game pass is a way to do that and since you're technically leasing i suppose the games as a bundle uh there's no product to resell for gamestop yeah i feel really bad for gamestop um because i think that they're if they want to stay in business they're going to have to become something else mm -hmm. you know uh well, i made, like they made a pretty smart move by purchasing think geek yeah, that's what they're going to have to become, basically, and, uh, is thinking. They they spun Movie Stop off because that Netflix already uh, ended that industry, and Movie Stop, I think, has shut down now. And then now GameStop is going the same way with a service like Game Pass, kind of marginalizing the resale of games. 
I think the purchase of ThinkGeek was a really smart move for them. Yeah, basically, if you go into a GameStop these days, it is like 50% ThinkGeek. Yes, it is. And we have a couple here in New York that are specifically known as ThinkGeek stores. Yeah, we've got a couple here, too. They should probably just transition everything to ThinkGeek and have a gaming section uh, because... That would be a smart move. I mean, I don't know. Maybe people don't want to just go into a store to buy... You know, I, I don't know what their sales are. I don't know how many people go to buy bobbleheads. But, uh, I don't, you know... The, the, the Funko Pops are crazy popular. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I know they're crazy popular. I don't know if it's like how much of their sales yeah. and revenue it is. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, it's... <sighs> Those are the kinds of things, the thinky type of things that you might actually want to see in person before buying. Like you could Absolutely. buy, yes, you could buy them online, but there is a little bit of an immediacy. Like, oh, I want to see what this looks like. Sure, let me go buy it now. So, like, I, usually, by the way, if, I totally agree on that. Um, I bought. Uh, they had on clearance the uh, the Star Trek laptop bags uh, just before, just uh, after Christmas, between Christmas Day and New Year's Day. They had them on clearance for ten bucks. So I, bu- I bought the whole set, <clears throat> but I would have loved to have seen the uh, the engineering yellow in person to know that it's so wrong. <laughs> like if I if I had been buying it at the, the $69 original retail price, I absolutely would have wanted to see it in person so that I wouldn't have been mad later. Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> so, you know, it's it's. If I have a gift that I have to get for someone, that's basically where where I go. You know, if I have to pick up a gift for my for my wife or something, or I tell other people the same thing, like, you have to pick up a gift for me. You always, you can always go to Think Geek. Uh huh. You can't go wrong. You know, but <laughs> uh, but it's uh, so yeah. I think GameStop is in trouble. They've been in trouble for a while. Here's where they're going to be in bigger trouble. I think they're going to be in bigger trouble if the next generation consoles come out and they don't have a disc. Yeah. They, they well, were... the, the switch doesn't right. There's no, there's no, you have those. Can you buy the switch? You can, you can buy the switch, uh, the switch games on micro SD, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but I mean the Xbox one and PlayStation four were both supposed to not have optical, optical drives. And GameStop was the lobbying force that that ensured they were there. But, you know, with a move like this, GameStop's going to be in more trouble than they are now. That's going to, you know, dismantle their lobbying power to get to Microsoft and and Sony. So, yeah, the next generation may be 100 percent digital. Now, as as a consumer, I'm I'm a lot of mixed feelings about uh, that this. Like on the one hand, sometimes you can get a great deal on uh, on stuff by buying like a used disc at at GameStop. On the other hand, it's so much more convenient, and you can't scratch them to download things. Sure. And you don't have to have a physical library of games. You can you can download you know wipe a game off your hard drive that you don't want to have direct access to right now but you know in six months you go you know what i'd really like to play i'd like to play portal 2 and you know you just go tell it to download back to the console and you're good to go yeah i mean that's kind of the thing cloud storage is pretty convenient 
Although I don't know about you, but when we download stuff on from the PlayStation Store, it takes forever. So I wouldn't necessarily be taking things on and off at a whim. Sure. Like it, it could take like two hours to download a five gigabyte game, or more. Wow. And I've got a good connection here. Yeah. Oh, and here's something. Here, you know what may be the saving grace for uh, for GameStop? Data caps. Yeah. Data caps and the end of net neutrality could actually be could actually be a good thing for for GameStop. Not the rest of us, but for GameStop. Sure. If yes. if for some reason people are they don't want to use data to down their limited data to download a game. Yeah. If for some reason the uh, you know Xbox or PlayStation stores in the slow lane or Nintendo stores in the slow lane. Uh, that those could inspire people to use to stick with physical media. Physical, yeah, that's true. Um, obviously, as soon as you put physical media in, you're going to have to download updates to be able to play it anyway. But it's not quite the same as downloading a whole game. You're right. Well, although I've had somewhere I downloaded like 10 gigabytes of stuff. So. I know, right? You're like, why? So why are you downloading a whole new game? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I've had ones <laughs> where you had to, you know, try doing this to the five-year-old who you just brought a disc home from GameStop. You're like, okay, I put uh-huh. it in. Why is it downloading? It's going to take forever. Yeah. It's like, well, we're going to have to leave this on overnight while you go to sleep. We'll try and play it tomorrow. Aww. Aww. And so, Poor thing. Uh, yes, when I was your age, we didn't... Actually, I could say when I was your age, we didn't have to wait. We just popped the Atari cartridge in, and we were good to go. Indeed, uh, a game a game came complete, or it didn't come at all. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> anyway, um, so definitely, if you're a if you're a Game Pass subscriber, this is going to be good for you. If you're a, a GameStop investor, maybe not so much, uh, but. Like, like we said, they've been diversifying in seemingly smart ways, um, and maybe they're prepared for to not be blockbuster, I guess, is the point. I think, I think GameStop is actively working to not become blockbuster and find a way to keep moving forward as the industry shifts out from under them and not dig their heels in and go, no, people will keep coming to a store for, for discs. It, it seems like maybe they're preparing for that. So I guess good on them. The, this week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or... It'll let the professionals do it, because that's what they get paid to do. The guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000 are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies from Blockbusters to The Journey Absolution. They've obviously got a little bit of everything. That is what I was laughing at all through the opening of the promo. I apologize. <laughs> the, the cover art is ridiculous. Anyway, um, the way it works is for a couple of dollars, you download the MP3, um, Play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever the movie happens to live, and laugh. Um, They also occasionally do some uh, live events. I don't know that they have announced their 2018 uh, live 
shows. Oh, I'm a liar. Um, looks like the uh, first live show of 2018 will be Plan 9 from Outer Space and Samurai Cop on Thursday, February 15th. I don't know if they will be streaming, uh, streaming this to theaters uh, like they usually do. It might just be live in London. Uh, I guess we'll know that by next week. Anyway, um, so to find out about uh, their events, their movies, and uh, their special, which this week uh, is something. It just went away. Anyway, they've got a $2 off Arachnia, which looks just as terrible. Uh, you can go to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. And if you have not seen Plan 9 from Outer Space from them, you should. Because as terrible as the movie is, uh, the riff track makes it so much better. Anyway, let's talk about cryptocurrency for a little bit because everybody else is. Uh, <laughs> this week was a bad week for cryptocurrencies. Um, in particular, there were two pretty big... Uh, I, would they be... Uh, heists? I don't know what word you would use to describe stealing virtual currency from one of these exchanges. Let's go with heist, because that, that word's fun to say. There were two of them um, on two different exchanges. Uh, we'll talk about the little one first, because it doesn't uh, matter as much. Um, a bunch of... Oh, I actually have a typo in this. Uh, f oh, no, I don't. $4 million worth of IOTA coins... Uh, were stolen from um, a primary exchange for this particular coin. Uh, the background of the coin doesn't matter so much. What What is interesting about it is that uh, the founder of the organization that created the IOTA coin um, said that... Um, like, immediately, they, they tried to back away and be like, oh, the, no, no, this wasn't, this wasn't us. We're... we're this was their fault. Um, they didn't implement the whole security chain, which seems like you would have to to be able to transfer coins from wallet to wallet. But whatever. So about $4 million worth of that was stolen. But the one that really matters uh, is that... Um, what's it called? Uh, I can't remember the coin check. Coin check, which is a pretty massive... Uh, exchange out of Japan was uh, hit for about 500 million XEM coins, uh, which again comes from some foundation. Um, 500 million coins works out to give or take about 400 million US dollars, which is a lot of money. Um, the, the, uh, the president of the NEM foundation said, this is the biggest theft in the history of the world, which... I'm hoping was hyperbole because it wasn't. In 2014, the the Mount Gox uh, heist resulted in uh, four, just shy of 492 million dollars worth of Bitcoin, which today would be um, well over a billion dollars worth of worth of coin because the value has gone up significantly since then. Uh, but I get the. They ceased operations, which is a good thing. We don't always see, like, immediate reaction. And once this was discovered, the, the place shut down. Uh, XEM, you couldn't deposit anymore. And then, 
within a couple of hours you couldn't do anything and then uh yeah or at least you couldn't deposit any currency of any sort and then uh like an hour later they're like nope you know what everybody go away for a little while the cops showed up uh they're making a big deal about it because it is a big deal it's a lot of money uh to have just disappeared and i guess the 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 thing that i i am taking away from all of this is that this is still a really new technology and uh if you're going to get into it know that the risks aren't just in the fluctuating value of the coin it's that nobody quite knows how to keep this stuff safe and you need to know that it great so what are they going to do with the 400 million dollars worth of xem coins are they going to use them to buy premium features on on reddit or something i mean very few sites accept even bitcoin which is which is more well known sure well so if you can't do anything with the 400 million dollars that's like it's like you went to my house you went in the closet and you stole 400 million dollars of monopoly money <laughs> well um to to be fair um there's there's the ability through other exchanges since since these coins unlike say a US dollar bill have no serial number there is no following their path um you could in in small amounts at a time uh transfer these from whatever wallet that they were stolen into into smaller wallets and then transferred through other exchanges back into currency you wouldn't want to do it all at once because the price would plummet as you were selling it but if if you put a little bit at a time back out into the market you could uh uh, you could get value back or uh, the heist could be all about trying to uh, damage the reputation of this particular coin. It could be from from another um, coin issuer who's just trying to to damage the value of XEM. Uh, who knows what the reasoning is? I mean, corporate espionage is not a new concept and considering the seeming ease of of stealing this kind of this kind of thing you know it it could entirely be corporate espionage because icos are all the rage right now initial coin offerings uh for those of you who have been fortunate enough to stay out of cryptocurrency lingo entirely so i don't know it but it's a lot of money worth of worth of something you know even even if it was you know somebody breaking into milton bradley and stealing 400 million dollars worth of worth of uh monopoly money that's still 400 million dollars worth of monopoly money that that uh it is milton bradley right i'm gonna say it is that that i think so that they have spent the time to create and it's an investment lost yeah yeah, I mean it's obviously bad for for the XTM coin, but I'm not sure it's uh it's all speculation. So if they yeah. damage the value of the coin by by stealing it, aren't they also damaging what they stole? Yeah, but if that was their intention, then it's okay. If yes, if, if their, their intention, intention was... was to damage it, then it's okay. 
I mean, not, trying o- to get not rich, okay. Maybe not. Yeah, right. Because, like you said, it's not Bitcoin or Ethereum. You know, it's not something that f- if four hundred million dollars worth of it went missing, uh, would affect the marketplace. You know, four hundred million dollars worth of Bitcoin going missing. Surprisingly, I I read uh, this this week. Uh, Fifty Cent went bankrupt in like twenty fifteen, I think, and he declared how much he had versus, you know, his assets versus liabilities. And it actually turns out that he had, like, I don't know, 500 uh, Bitcoin stored somewhere, which today is a ridiculous amount of money. So, but that was, like, $50 million worth of Bitcoin that are literally just on a flash drive and, and 50 cents file cabinet somewhere it it didn't affect nothing but you know something small like this 400 million dollars disappearing is going to affect the market that's like you know seeing 400 million dollars worth of you know apple's stock certificates just vanish that you know that would even at their high valuation that would still screw up their valuation if it was all stolen at once but $400 $400 million worth of like, U.S. currency wouldn't necessarily affect the market. So <clears throat> anyway, it's, it's a lot of money, no matter who you are. $400 million is a lot of money. It's not as much as 492 no matter what the president of the foundation says. Uh, and um, cryptocurrency is a shaky marketplace to get into. If you want to experiment in it, just know it is very shaky and... Uh, Dangerous on all fronts. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. We all know about Amazon Prime. Everybody knows you get free shipping, but what a lot of people don't know is you also get a lot of other free stuff that's pretty cool. Amazon Prime Music gives you several million uh, tracks available for free, built into the cost that you're already paying. Amazon Prime Video, as Avram and I have talked about a number of times, has all kinds of interesting content. If if you just go watch uh, Man in the High Castle, uh, then you have justified <laughs> your time on uh, on Amazon Prime Video. And then if you're a gamer and you enjoy watching Twitch with Twitch Prime, you get one free subscription per month as part of uh, your Amazon Prime. And, of course, you can, uh, you can get it for yourself or you can gift it to a friend. We've got links to make both of them easy for you. And if you don't already have it, you can get a free 30-day trial right now to make sure that it's something that you want by going to f5live.tv slash prime. Know that that link has changed since last year. It used to be slash Amazon. It is now slash Prime. Um, but Amazon will take you to a similar place on Amazon. But just so you know, you're not crazy. The link did change. Anyway, uh, let's talk about YouTube for a minute and stay in the cryptocurrency world. Um, obviously, we know we've been... Avram and I have talked on the show a couple of times about these drive-by cryptocurrency mining tools. Um, there's a currency called, I think, Monero that uh, CoinHive, I think, is the name of the website. 
uh, provides a JavaScript miner for. We talked about it in terms of the Pirate Bay a couple of months ago who had implemented it site-wide and users had complained because their computers came to a crawl. Well, as that concept has gotten uh, more interesting for people, um, we have started to see that same code get implemented into uh, advertising, into malicious advertising. You know, in the old days, we'd see malicious advertisements download malware onto people's computers, keyloggers, stuff like that. Uh, the browsers at this point are, are doing pretty well at sandboxing stuff, so it's more difficult to do that without your knowledge. Um, I remember even G4 getting hit with it. Yahoo got hit with it a couple of years ago. Well, now with this cryptocurrency mining stuff, YouTube got hit with it. Um, and so if you went to YouTube, chances are at some point during your uh, browsing, you noticed that your mouse started to move a little strangely. Uh, you scrolled a little different than normal. Everything went a little bonkers on your computer. And it's because the ad that was running on the right-hand side above the uh, upcoming uh, videos was uh, running JavaScript to mine Monero through CoinHive. Um, a number of the big uh, antivirus and anti-malware services like Trend Micro um, have been watching this advertisement-based crypto mining for a little while. About 90% of them are using CoinHive. About 10% are using uh, homespun JavaScript because apparently it's pretty easy to do. And um, they've managed to get it into YouTube. And uh, Trend Micro says that, uh, that they tracked it on YouTube for about eight days. And uh, YouTube says that they found it and fixed it within two hours. So uh, I'm more likely to, uh, to believe Trend Micro on this one. My guess is... They fixed it within two hours of knowing about it, but I bet uh, they didn't discover it until way in. Um, what do you think about this, Avram? It's certainly uh, it's certainly a, a check mark on the on the side of uh, ad blockers, which of course is something that you and I <clears throat> well get, have have a passion about. But it, so I have I have two things to say. One. Uh, there are a lot of malicious ads out there on the internet. Mm -hmm. These are not the only ones. Uh, and the key is that the companies that run and traffic the advertisements need to screen them. Yes, indeed. You know, I can't tell you how many times lately I've had, um, I'm not sure what the technical term is for this type of ad, where it redirects you to like a website that says you may have won uh -huh. you won six million dollars or something yep and like you can't back out or anything you uh -huh. just gotta like close that tab close it it seems to happen to me on mobile only um that is getting really bad on mobile i've noticed and for some reason i didn't think your browser could do this it actually makes your phone vibe makes my phone vibrate yeah you have uh you have uh hardware access to the browser I just know you could you could make vibration. You could actually use the haptics. So, uh, absolutely, I can I can do all. That's how. Uh, uh, what's it called? The thing that Adobe bought. Um, uh, PhoneGap. Uh, that's how all that stuff works. Is through JavaScript APIs to the hardware. So, look. 
companies that, I mean, YouTube is ultimately responsible. And unfortunately, a lot of companies, probably Google as well, use ad networks. If YouTube doesn't, then they're use, maybe using their own ad network, whatever. They are. And it, the they make were, it. The ads were coming through DoubleClick, which is one of the two ad networks that Google owns. Right. But unfortunately, the way that these ad networks work is they're, they're, you know, you don't have to actually have a huge, I don't, I think you very often don't have to have a human test the ad. So, you know, anyone can put anything and then they're sort of trying to get rid of it, scoop it up after the fact. Yep. That, that is a sad thing that's going on. No doubt. I mean, I, I certainly support, uh, things that, you know, antivirus that looks for that kind of stuff malware security software that looks for that kind of stuff but you can't you know you can't throw out all advertising because there's a few bad apples because the advertising is what pays for the content yep. now what you what you told me i hadn't really thought about before but what if people did this openly and honestly with their vis site visitors it's it's what the pirate bay did the Pirate Bay was very open about it. They made a big deal that put out a, a thing on their homepage and said, hey, guys, because of the cost of running this thing, here's what we're going to do. We're implementing this browser-based crypto mining so that we can recoup some of our costs and you guys don't have to constantly see porn ads. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, what if, what if that was... I mean, because really, what are you giving somebody? Like, when people... what What are you paying for when you pay for an article... When you go to a website with an article or a video on it and you don't you don't actually spend cash to to get that well you're paying with your attention right you're paying by looking at these ads or at least having the opportunity to look at these ads as you scroll by them but what if instead of your attention and your time it was your computer's time absolutely. that doesn't sound so bad you know no, like, absolutely not so you know what? I'll let you use some of my computer's processing power, uh, and and you know you can make money for the service you're providing me by giving me content, whether that content is a video on YouTube or or a news article or whatever. I mean, I don't know. It sounds like a pretty good pretty good idea to me if you're straightforward and honest with people about what you're do what you're doing. I mean, I don't know if the economics of it work. I don't know if you can actually, a website could actually make good money uh, doing that. But clearly, the people who are running the ad thought that they could, they could do it. They were paying money to run this ad on YouTube, which is not cheap. Right. That's and yet for sure. they were, and yet they felt that they were getting, um, probably getting good enough value that they could spend the money to place the ad, and, right. and still profit. The value is finally at a place. So when we when we talked about this the last time in the case of the Pirate Bay, I went and actually ran tests on it um, to, to figure out what uh, what kind of processing power would be required to turn over any kind of of usefulness. And at the time, it was impossible. You, you absolutely could not make a profit at it and i was surprised i mean unless you're the pirate bay and you get the kind of traffic that they get um 
I am looking right now at the current price. Um, and it is almost a hundred times what it was when I ran my experiments, which now puts it at a place where it is absolutely valuable enough to be able to do, especially if you're on a place like, uh, like YouTube, right? Where people stay on a page for an extended period of time, because it's not like, you know, it's not like a video, it's not Vine, right? It's not six seconds. It's right. YouTube tends to be five minute plus content that, you know, most people stumble upon. If you're watching, you know, uh, Fail Army or something like that, you're looking at 12 minute videos. If you're looking at, at our show, it's 60 something, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so people are going to stay there, and it's not like people tend to do other things while YouTube is running. It tends to be the the foreground of their of their attention, and so uh, you may not even notice that your computer is slowed down because it's using eighty percent of your processor uh, for mining. It seems like a fair trade to me. I mean, you just have to be honest with people. This is what exactly you know. This is what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So long as you're honest about it, it seems like it would be. It would be no big deal, but trying to trying to uh, shoehorn it in without anybody knowing, which is what these guys were doing, that that's where it becomes a problem for me. But yeah, I I totally think so long as you've got a thing, you know, when you get to the website that says, "Hey, we're not running ads anymore. We're doing this instead." Um, welcome to the site. Uh, like it or leave it. Right. That sounds good to me. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how that economics could work out for somebody. I'm, I don't know. It's just an interesting business model to to consider. I don't know, you know, like I said, I don't know how how long someone would have to stay on the page to make it worth it. I'm how I'm much, gonna rerun. How, I'm gonna rerun my test. Um, I've still got all the code in place. I'm gonna rerun my test tonight to figure out uh, where it falls because I, you know, in in the office, not in the studio, but in the office, we tend to leave some of the computers running and I figured you know if I just hit a play button when I walked away and let it do its thing it's already on what's the big deal um, <laughs> maybe I can generate my own thing so I'm going to go run some tests again tonight and uh, I, I'm probably going to write about it this time because I think it's an interesting topic I, I can't wait to read that <laughs> well guys that is our show our first official show of uh, 2018 I guess technically 490 was in 2018 but it seems so long ago on the other side of the country anyway uh, uh, next week of course is the Super Bowl which means that we will uh, have to decide whether we do the show or not we normally don't uh, so, but Abram and I will make a decision this week and uh, get back with you uh, one way or another if we're not on, uh, we will definitely be back in two weeks. And we will be back into a normal groove for a while uh, because I don't think we have any special events coming up on a Sunday until March sometime. So uh, with that, we've got, we've got a lot of normal time ahead of us, which I'm looking forward to being back to normal. Of course, you'll want to uh, stay tuned to our social media, our YouTube, our uh, our subscription for the Plug Kids Live special events feed because uh, there's a lot of really cool 
uh, CES content coming, including uh, my interview with the head monster, Noli, which we'll be publishing in a couple of days. I'm really excited about that one. I interviewed him last year, and uh, the SD card that we recorded it on got screwed up. So we got to do it again this year. Everything's good. It's ready to publish, so watch out for that. Um, and I guess with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we will see you guys back maybe next week, maybe in two. Ciao.